Today on Bold Steps, Mark Job explains the crucial difference between cheap worship and lavish worship. When we abandon ourselves in worship, we take our worship, we give it to God, the value of it, the sacrifice of it, we're not earning brownie points before God. It's because God deserves it. And we lay it at his feet and we say, God, this is yours and I require nothing in exchange. And welcome to Bold Steps with Dr. Mark Job, president of Moody Bible Institute and senior pastor of New Life Community Church in Chicago. Well, when is the last time you had a life-defining moment? Maybe you were married recently, maybe you had a near-death experience, or maybe a spiritual light bulb went off at a meeting or a church service and suddenly God's plans for you in the coming year were made crystal clear. Mark, today you're going to expand on that concept of life-defining moments as we look in the Gospels. Yeah, so we're in a series entitled Encounters, and I believe that sometimes it's an encounter that triggers a defining moment. Oftentimes that will happen in worship when we are coming before the presence of God and inviting Him to do what He needs to do in our life. So this message really is about lavish worship and an encounter with God in lavish worship. We'll be turning to the book of Mark, chapter 1, starting in verse 1, right at the top. So let's join Mark Job for today's Bold Steps. It says, Now the Passover and the Feast of Unleavened Bread were only two days away, and the chief priests and the teachers of the law were looking for some sly ways to arrest Jesus and kill him. This was just two days before... Jesus would be betrayed by that infamous kiss of Judas and soon be taken into custody by the Roman authorities for a mock trial. So this is leading up to his final days. Uh, Jesus is in, uh, he's traveling, and they are making a plot. The chief priests and teachers are looking for a way to kill him. But not during the feast, they said, or the people may riot. Verse 3, while he was in Bethany, Bethany's about two miles away from Jerusalem, reclining at the table in the home of a man known as Simon the leper, a woman came in with an alabaster jar of very expensive perfume made of pure nard. She broke the jar and she poured the perfume on his head. Some of those present were saying indignantly to one another, Why this waste of perfume? It could have been sold for more than a year's wages and the money given to the poor, and they rebuked her harshly. Uh, Let me give you the setting for this. Jesus is in Bethany in the house of a leper by the name of Simon. Now, we don't really have any other reference to this leper named Simon. Uh, There's no other reference in Scripture about him. So we can just assume that he's probably a leper that Jesus had healed. Uh, Do you remember the story of the ten lepers that Jesus healed? And they all went back and only one came back to give thanks. Maybe he was one of those. Uh, But the Bible says that Jesus was meeting in his house, uh, ministering to him and to other people. Now it also tells us in other parts of Scripture we find the same 
account, story, uh, told in Matthew chapter 26 and also in John chapter 12. And it doesn't tell us in this passage who this woman is, but we know from John chapter 12 that the woman that had the alabaster jar of perfume, her name was Mary. That's right, Mary. Now, Mary was the sister of Martha and also the sister of Lazarus. Do you remember who Lazarus was? Uh, Lazarus was the fellow that was dead three days and Jesus rose him from the grave. Uh, Martha was the one that Jesus said, Martha, Martha, you're worried and busy over so many things, but your sister here is doing what you should be doing. And remember what Mary was doing? She was sitting at the feet of Jesus and listening. Mary seems to have this heart of sensitivity towards God. Uh, She seems to, while others are busy and running around, Mary seems like she had a tender, sensitive heart to listen to the voice of God. And so as they are reclined at this table, uh, laying side by side, because in the, uh, the Eastern culture of those days, they didn't have tables like we have today. Uh, They weren't sitting at tables raised about three feet from the ground and sitting at European-style chairs. They reclined, they laid on the floor, and their food was placed on a mat on the floor in front of them. And as they reclined around this table eating together, this woman, Mary, comes into the house. And she's carrying a fancy alabaster jar of perfume. Now, we know from the context that this perfume was expensive. Uh, When I was at Heathrow Airport uh, this past week, I had never seen an airport under so much high security. Uh, They checked every single one of the pockets of our small bags that they allowed to come on the plane. They patted us down. They rechecked our passports. I mean, there were lines of security because they were afraid that some of this terrorist activity would still be transacting on the plane from Heathrow to somewhere in the United States of America. And so we were under tight scrutiny and tight security control. And they had sent out memos and broadcast on the news that they were by no means allowed to take any, absolutely any, kind of liquid onto the airplane. It seems as though the terrorists had planned to put explosive uh, material in bottles of shampoo or in toothpaste uh, containers, and once they got on the plane using cameras and CD, simple mechanisms, they were going to create bombs. And then as those bombs flew from London to the United States, they were going to blow them up. So they were under tight security, and they had said that absolutely no liquids or no any, any kind of liquid form was allowed on the plane. Well, the woman in front of me obviously had not heard those instructions. I think she was French. And they opened up her bag, and they found a large bottle of face cream. And they said, excuse me, ma'am, what is this? She says, oh, it's face cream. They said, you can't take this on the plane. And she said, oh, but I need it. I got a little face problem. 
They said, you have a prescription. No, but I really, really need it. It's Clinique. <laughs> Obviously, the security guard was not in much appreciation of nice standard uh, makeup and facial products of Clinique, so he just tossed it. And they kept going through, and they found another bottle. They tossed it and found some of her other makeup and tossed it. And by this time, this woman was hysterical in tears, saying, you might as well just take my whole bag. And what are you doing to me? I had very little compassion at that time. I want to said, lady, move aside. You want to go on a plane with bombs? Do it. I don't. Because this was expensive. I'm sure she paid a lot of money for this stuff. But I can guarantee you that she had not paid nearly as much money as this alabaster vial of nard perfume cost Mary. In fact, we see later on from the context that it tells us that this vial of perfume that was more, more than likely was taken from a plant called the nard plant and it was developed into a perfume probably from exotic place like India and uh, imported as an exotic perfume uh, to the area of Jerusalem. This perfume, it said, cost the equivalent of one year wage. Uh, they tell us that the average salary in America, I believe, is somewhere around $37,000 a year. So imagine that this vial of perfume was equivalent to close to $40,000. This was no Old Spice. <laughs> this wasn't J-Lo's perfume. This wasn't even Vera Wang. I mean, this was expensive perfume. And the Bible says that this woman, Mary, now where did she get so much expensive perfume? How did she end up with it? Who knows? Maybe it had been an inheritance or maybe it had been some sort of wedding gift that she had received. But obviously, this was very, very pricey. And the Bible says that she walked in and when she saw Jesus, she broke open this glass jar of perfume and she poured the contents upon his head and in John chapter 12, it says she also poured it upon his feet, and then with her hair, she wiped his feet. I think from this little story, we gather some incredible insight into what it means to really worship God in a lavish way. So if you're taking notes this morning, I want you to write this down. Number one, if you're going to be a lavish worshiper of God Almighty... Lavish worship always will cost you something. There is no such thing as worship that gets the heart of God that doesn't cost you something. There is no such thing as heartfelt, dynamic, vibrant, passionate worship that is cheap. Worship, by way of definition, costs you something. It may cost you time. It may cost you dignity. It may cost you resources. It, it, it may take a part of your soul with it, but worship, if it's God's way of worship, it will always cost you 
something personal. Uh, no one else can pay for it. It's something that you have to pay. It's something that, that you have to give up. It's something that you have to release from your own being. Like I love what 2 Samuel chapter 24, verse 24 tells us. David, who was another lavish worshiper of God, he's the one that wrote most of the Psalms. He's the one that pinned down the words of Psalm 23. Uh, he's the one that played his harp and sang and, and had a heart of worship for God. I don't know if you recall the story when he, God had brought judgment upon him and Israel because of their disobedience. And in Samuel chapter 24, 24, David, 2 Samuel, David is, has to offer a burnt offering to God Almighty. And one of the king's uh, landowners offers to give him land and oxen to sacrifice to God Almighty. And David says this, I will not sacrifice to the Lord my God burnt offering that cost me nothing. David says, I'm not going to give God something that doesn't cost me something. I know you can give it to me, but I don't want it. I don't want you to give me something that I haven't had to pay for, that doesn't take a part of me, that doesn't require a little sacrifice on my part. If I'm going to give God something, it's going to be something that costs me. Something that I have to sacrifice, something that's not easy. I refuse to give God cheap worship. You see, this was Mary's heart as well. And if we're going to worship God lavishly, if we're going to be a congregation that invokes and invites the presence of God, it won't be by cheap worship. We're at the midway point of today's Bold Steps message with Mark Job. If you've joined us late or you need to leave early, remember you can always find these messages and catch up on anything you miss here in the program by going to our website at boldstepsradio.org. You can also listen to your smart speaker at home to Bold Steps. Just ask Alexa to play Bold Steps from Moody Radio. Once you've asked her to enable Moody Radio, and here's what you say, Alexa, enable Moody Radio. Then Alexa, open Moody Radio. And Alexa, play Bold Steps from Moody Radio. Bold Steps with Dr. Mark Job from Moody Radio. Or if you want to take these Bible lessons with you while you're out for a walk or working around the house, be sure to subscribe to our Bold Steps podcast and get these messages downloaded automatically to your phone or smart device. Head over to your favorite podcast app, search for Bold Steps with Dr. Mark Job, and tap the subscribe button. And if you'd care to let us know what these teachings have meant to you or your family, we encourage you to leave a comment on our podcast page and let us know. Or send a message on social media. You'll find us on Facebook and Instagram by searching for Bold Steps Radio. Now, with the final part of today's message, God is bigger than your baggage. Here again is Mark Job. Uh, let me define cheap worship. You see, worshiping God is not necessarily just singing a little medley of songs before the message starts. Uh, you see, worship that's in spirit and in truth. In John chapter 4, Jesus told the woman at the well, those that worship me must worship me in spirit and in truth. 
For that's the kind of worshipers that God is seeking and God is spirit. The kind of worship that God is looking for is not just singing a little song out of our lips. The kind of worship that God is looking for is worship that requires something from our being. Something that's not easy to give at times. Something that's hard. In fact, do you realize that worship is not an easy thing when it's real worship? Because the very nature of worship is sometimes humiliating. In fact, if you think about it for a moment, the very posture of worship, the physical posture of worship that we recognize the most, uh, and people say, oh, they're worshiping. It's very familiar to us. Do you know what that posture is? That posture is not just on our knees. That posture that we recognize as worship is when we are on our face before God Almighty. That's the posture of worship. Let me tell you, it's not easy to get on our face before anybody, is it? The very nature of us facing down, arms spread out, is a humiliating posture because in essence what we're saying is, God, you are God Almighty and I humble myself before you and I pour out myself before you because you are worthy of all glory and honor and praise and dignity and worth. You are worthy, God. The second thing I want you to remember about lavish worship is that lavish worship is poured out in abandon. The Bible says that Mary broke the jar and poured the perfume on Jesus' head. It tells us in verse 3. Now, abandon means something that you give completely with no strings attached. It means something that you totally give away. You've abandoned it. When we abandon ourselves in worship, it means I worship God and my worship I give to him freely and passionately without expecting anything in return. I'm not making deals with God. There comes a point of no return. Mary could not scoop up that perfume anymore. She had poured it out. It could never come back into that, into that container. Once you open it and once you've poured it, you've released it. It's not your manipulation or leverage. It belongs to God. You're not holding on to it. You're not grabbing it. You're not negotiating with it. It is totally and absolutely God's. Uh, you're not saying, God, you know what? I'm going to spend an extra 10 minutes in prayer and worship today because you know what? I got a little picnic outing happening on Tuesday and I really need some sunny weather. You take away the rain, I give you 10 minutes, we're, you're happy, I'm happy, how about we do that little deal? No, it doesn't work that way. You don't come to church, well, God, you know, I'm going to come to church I'm, hey, three Sundays in a row. Not just that, God, guess what? I'm going to be there on time. I'm going to sit through the whole worship, I mean the whole thing. 
Because I got this little job promotion thing coming up, and uh, you know, it would really be good if you could pull a few strings because it's between me and this other guy, and I really need it more than him. Three Sundays in a row, God, I'll even, uh, hey, hey, I'm going to even put some stuff in the offering. Three Sundays in a row, offering early for worship, service. Guess what? Little promo. You pull some strings, and, 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 and let's do that. God, I'm going to worship you. No. Hey, it doesn't work that way. When we abandon ourselves in worship, we take our worship, we give it to God, we abandon it, we don't hold on to it, the value of it, the sacrifice of it, we're not earning brownie points before God, it's because God deserves it, and we lay it at his feet and we say, God, this is yours, and I require nothing in exchange. I can't take it back. There's something that happens when we pass the point of no return. There is something that happened when Mar Mary broke open that glass bottle and poured it. The moment she poured it, it could never come back. It was abandoned to God. And notice, she, didn't, she wasn't dabbing it. She didn't say, okay, here's a dab of $100, and here's another dab here. No, she, she broke it open. The Bible says she poured it on Jesus' head. She poured it on his feet until every single drop of that vial of perfume was gone. You see, that's abandoned worship. That's worship that says, this is flowing out of my heart. I'm giving it to you. I'm not requiring anything in exchange. God, it flows out of my being. It flows out of my heart. It is all yours. I require nothing back. It's abandoned. The third thing I want you to understand about this kind of worship, lavish worship, is that this worship cannot be contained. I want you to notice that there will be people and places, and usually it's not the people or the places, but it's your own heart that tends to try to contain your worship. And Mark will continue with his third point in what lavish worship requires when we return for tomorrow's program on Bold Steps with Mark Job. If you missed any of today's lesson or if you want to find more teachings from Mark, be sure to visit our website where you can find all of his previous sermon series available anytime. Just go to boldstepsradio.org. And once you're on our homepage, you'll also be able to request your copy of this month's unique Bold Step gift. It's a resource that's especially helpful for married couples, young or old. And to tell us more about it, here again is Mark. Has your marriage been feeling a little joyless? as though some of the spark and fun you used to have has suddenly begun to dwindle? If so, you're not alone. There are many couples facing the same struggle. But most importantly, you're not without hope. In their book, The Four Habits of Joy-Filled Marriages, Dr. Marcus Warner and Chris Corsi lay out a step-by-step -step process to help make joy a regular experience in your home. Healthy marriages are filled with moments of laughter, love, and happiness. And this kind of joy-filled relationship isn't reserved for just a handful of special couples. 
It's God's design for each and every marriage, including yours. So if you're looking for ways to stir more joy into your relationship, let us send you a copy of this incredibly helpful resource. Again, the book is called Four Habits of Joy-Filled Marriages. And we'll send you a copy today when you give a gift of any amount to support the ministry of Bold Steps. Just go online to boldstepsradio.org to make your donation and request this Bold Step gift. Or call us at 844-615-7363. That's 844-615-7363. You can also send that gift through the mail. Write to us at Bold Steps, 820 North LaSalle Boulevard, Chicago, Illinois, 60610. And before we end today, we'd like to remind you, if you haven't already signed up for Mark's weekly email devotional known as the Bold Stepper Weekly, I hope you'll do that. It's a great way to connect with Mark outside of our program and get to know him as pastor and as president of the Moody Bible Institute. But it's also filled with deeper insights and relevant takeaways for day-to-day living as Mark delves into Scripture. The Bold Stepper Weekly comes out every Monday morning, so those who are already on the list just receive Mark's latest edition. You can easily sign up and start receiving this free devotional next week by going online today to boldstepsradio.org and signing up for the Bold Stepper Weekly. Well, that brings us to the end of this program. I'm Wayne Shepherd, inviting you back for tomorrow's program when Mark continues with part two of today's lesson on lavish worship. That's coming up Tuesday on Bold Steps with Mark Joe. Bold Steps is a production of Moody Radio, a ministry of Moody Bible Institute.